what's up, everybody? Welcome to another rendition of the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Here's what's coming up. On today's episode, not only is Dante, George, JT, and yes, the Hall of Famer himself, David Steele, joined by the Assistant General Manager of the Orlando Magic and Matt Lloyd, but they talk about scouting. The NCAA tournament is right around the corner, and that means scouting is in full force for all 30 NBA clubs. How do the Magic utilize some of their analytics? And also, what are some stories that maybe Matt has from his ventures around the country? It should be a lot of fun. All right, guys, let's get to it. This is Aaron Gordon. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Need a new sports podcast? Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball? The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. This one comes from the... The plush executive boardroom here inside the Amway Center. What a what a what a scene we have in here, myself. But why though? Galante. Why? Because no, if Matt was here, we should have done it in our normal location, like in somebody's bedroom, like in the elevator, or yeah, something like bed that. and bedroom. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, we do have an esteemed guest with us, Magic <laughs> yeah. Assistant General Manager Matt Lloyd, kind enough to join. When's the last time you shared a room with a Hall of Famer, a former player? And George. <laughs> it's been a while. I, I actually, getting back to the where we are in the room, I have Marriott points. We could have just gotten a Marriott somewhere. <laughs> That's what we should have done. You're big but time. We, yeah. Coach Clifford, oh, yeah. we did yeah. on Dante's, you know, we in Dante's room. In a four sat seasons on the bed or a Ritz everything. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. five of us sat on my bed and we yeah. just did the podcast. But you're yeah. big time. Yeah. So this we, is the, I don't think this is the, maybe the third time in seven years I've been in this board. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's How really, many Marriott points do you have? I would love to know that. That's a great point. Well, I was really excited one day i got an email from marriott about call it a year ago um that said my lifetime status had to achieve the highest status cannot go any lower cannot go any higher nothing great one thousand um four hundred and seventy nights in a marriott and i was like yeah i was kind of like patting myself on the back that's really cool and then i started to think wait a minute that means i spent five of the last 15 years in a marriott (laughs) And then I started to get a little depressed. So, um, but no, lifetime That's a good amount of time. That's, That's a, a good long time. time. That's a long time. But um, it's definitely been worth it. And I'm really, really excited to be here with you guys. I listen. I'm a fan. Um, David and JT kind of get me through the season because I'm yes. generally traveling. Um, the halftime and walk-off interviews, as we call them in the business, are fantastic. And then I get to see Georgia daily. So the chance to be here is really, really exciting. Well, it's an honor for us. We get to finally catch up with it. Yeah, peel the curtain back a little bit. And So your job is probably done, right? You probably don't do anything else. For I'll see you guys in June. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I'll see you at the draft. Yeah, and exactly right. Maybe I'll walk in. No, we, are you um, just ramping up right now? or yeah, I mean, you're coming out of your scouting, I would imagine. Do you, are you going to watch tournament games? What, 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 what are you into right now? So what we'll do is, um, this is going to be a little different this year. Uh, our analytics staff has been dramatically expanded by Jeff Weltman um, over the last two years. And I think the opportunity to – Do you know everyone on that I know all their names and where they went to college. That's good. My chance to now get to know them personally comes this week. So uh, we're going to bring everyone into the conference room, our conference room, the basketball operations conference room, not plush like this one. But um, And we're going to put the games on and we're going to order food and we're going to have like real discussions about the games we're watching. And – the goal is to kind of just watch one game, have the other games on, and and integrate the analytics people into the conversation. So what are we seeing here? What have you guys seen here? Um, I think it's the first step to kind of opening the door for the discussions we'll have heading into the draft. Well, I, I have a question, though. Now, you brought up the analytics crew, and I don't know what you can get into and what you can't. We're always walking by there. I, I wonder what they're doing. I They're feverishly working 
20 hours a day, but I really have no idea what they're, what are they, lo- are they looking for specific things? Do each, do each of them have assigned teams or assigned players? Like how does it work? Well, the there? proprietary information that we gain from them is something we could talk about on this podcast, right. but we will not. Dang it. Um, I was trying, they, Dante, I was trying to get like a big work. scoop. They are actually, uh, so their, their group leader is, is David Bench, who's I've worked out with for six years. And basically when I got here um, seven years ago, we had one person that was designated as like kind of an analytics and process um, person. And now we have seven over there. I don't even know. Maybe there's in, a lot. It, so just so the listeners know, they're in between George and I's office. So right. we have to walk when we go <laughs> to bust each other's chops. We have to walk past them. Right. So I think what they're doing is and I know what they're doing is they, they are really generating um, opinion from a different perspective. So we go and we watch the games and we try to assess their bodies and their games and their offense and defensive strengths. And they're looking at it from the standpoint of what their production is. And we have to respect that just because they're seeing everything. And I go to uh, the Mountain West Conference Tournament, watch a game. Um, I can only see what I can see and what can I, I can focus on. Those people are seeing everything that's happening at every point in the game. And so that has to be respected. And then they've had some um, – They've had some wins, probably, I could say, over the last two years, just in terms of their evaluations of players. Um, so when we get in there and we get start talking about it, the, 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 the impetus, impetus, impetus has to be on just respecting their opinion because their opinion is valid. Okay. So I should treat them better is what you're saying. Well, I mean, we don't have to, like, walk past and say, okay, I think you should. George says a lot of uh, under-your-breath nerds <laughs> type of thing whenever not, he walks past I do He not, does not do Anna, that. Just Anna. Just, just Anna. Anna. Just Anna Zhao, the, yeah. um, our visualization staff, person. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's he does. He I'm going to do, yeah. do it to you guys in yeah. about 20 minutes here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of how he views all of us. Do you have data on college players? Is there analytical data? Is the same data available? On college players as NBA players? Um, no, not the not the depth of it. Um, so we'll have the box score data. Um, we'll 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 be able to like go through at this point in the season. Our window right now um, for where we're going to be drafting is pretty narrow. And I think the last six years that I've been here, last uh, six drafts that I participated in, we were pretty much locked into drafting in the top five at this point in the season. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. So. Um, and George is hitting himself in the head with the <laughs> microphone right now. But um, so we don't have the depth of data that's available for the NBA because there's uh, we don't have those cameras in every every building in college basketball. You know, like uh, some of the lower conference teams, they don't have the capacity or the resources to install those cameras that the every NBA arena has. So that's like the next generation of statistical analysis is going to be you know, putting those cameras into every arena and getting the data that those kind of produce. So what we do is we can replicate that um, by, you know, watching film and doing a lot of charting. And that's where we're getting to at this point in the season. We'll start charting stuff. Where does a guy get his shot from? How is he getting his shot? What was the defensive pressure when he took that shot? So um, while we don't have the, the same volume, we can still produce essentially the same quality just through a little bit more work. Um and the Magic organization, and Jeff Weltman um, really was the driver of this, made a pretty significant investment in um, a company called Stats LLC out of Chicago that is going to provide us with a lot more proprietary data that's going to be available to basically no NBA team for two or three years um, where we're going to be able to replicate some of the stuff that we're getting from the NBA at a little bit faster pace and to a lot more depth. So. 
the magic um, to be able to have the comfort level of knowing those resources are behind us and the ability to pursue those type of resources. It's really comforting from the position that I'm in just kind of attempting to really gather information all the time on players. So Jeff's been a driver of that and, and it's going to be something real special going forward. Okay. So I have a gathering information on players question. So as an, a former player, an older former player, you, you could even say, and I try not to be a get-off-my-lawn kind of guy, right? Um, I fall into that generation with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and those guys. So the one and done. The guys are coming in. You played? Many years ago, yes. <laughs> yes. I knew that looked but You're not old enough to know that. No, so I remember. So the new generation of players coming in, every year we see at the top of the draft are usually guys with one year of experience in college. And those that are a little bit longer, you stay a little bit longer, you start to fall. So the information then that you're gathering about both of these, speak to that a little bit. I, you know, to me, is like, where do you start when you're looking at an 18, 19-year-old kid? How far back are you going on gathering information? Well, uh, I, I think it's probably best to illustrate the response to that with a story. Okay. So um, the first time we really had the opportunity to see Aaron Gordon play, at least I did, was the um, under-19 world championships in Prague, Czech Republic. He played for Team USA. He came off the bench and he was basically like, he was the MVP of the whole thing because he was like basically a one-man press and he played so hard that everything he done, everything he got done production-wise was positive. So that's when the process really starts is at those Team USA and USA basketball events. And then really the USA basketball is doing a really good job of identifying a group of players and nurturing them through the process till they can ascend to the senior team at some point in the NBA. And that's where the process starts. Then it goes to the McDonald's All-American game, um, which will be this month uh, in Atlanta. Um, and we'll get to our scouts will be there watching them practice for three days. And those practices tend to be a lot more competitive than a normal all-star game. The game in and itself is just a big dunk fest and layups and stuff, but the practices are very competitive because the players are they're competing for the attention and they're competing in front of all 30 NBA teams, and they know that. Um, so that's where that process starts. Uh, I think the, the, the philosophy of your question is a really good one because we get to the point as NBA people where we're always willing to take a risk on the potential of what someone could be as opposed to – appreciating that some sense is what they are. You know, there's several senior prospects this year that are playing in the NCAA tournament that maybe have the tendency to be over-analyzed, over, um, you know, and so it's paralysis by over-analysis. You're just looking at everything um, Stetson guard George Galante can't do as a senior as opposed to what he can do. That list is long, by the way. That list is long. It's super yes. long. So we've super now, long. we've now, like, all these senior prospects through the fine tooth comb of, and we've looked at, and we, and it's just, you know, human nature. I think we tend to look at what a guy can't do as opposed to what they can do when they've been four years in college. So every organization approaches that a little bit differently because everyone's in a different cycle in their process. You know, um, at some point you have to take a risk on and, and tend to think organization, we can get this guy to where we think he can be because he's just so talented. Um, and he's 18 years old and what's he going to look like when he's 25? What's he going to look like when he's 30? You know, um, there's more time. There's a bigger window to work with a guy. Um, but there'll be a lot of seniors, I think from this draft in particular, and every draft is different that 
integrate themselves immediately into the NBA and, and are productive right away just because they do have experience and there's some value to that. So, um, again, every team's at a different state of their uh, kind of process. I hate to use that word. It's so overused right now in sports, but it is what it is. I think that everyone has to look at things differently. Jeff uh, Weltman and John have talked about, especially Jeff, talks about bringing guys in the character part of it. Or we want high character guys. So I guess the my part of that question then is this guy's an eighteen year old guy. How far do you go? Do you have to go back and talk to? Um, you know, you talked about the U nineteen teams. Are you going back to AAU coaches, high school coaches, to principals, guidance counselors to talk about? Because you know, if you look at a a nineteen year old guy and you say I need five years of that, you're going back to he's 15, 14, 15 years old. And and the trick in that is to assess. Were you the same guy you were when you were 16 from when you were 21? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. So <laughs> There was a lot of fluctuation that's right. there, I would say. That's right. So um, we have to know that the person is a good person. And, and I'll take one step back. Jeff and John, um, the success they've had like as scouts, just general, that one aspect of their job mm -hmm. is – so dramatic like you can go back and look and everyone has you know the, the one or two guys they missed on there's impossible to be correct sure. all the time but relative to where they were picking in the draft and the success that they've had you know is it, it is very important so they've been really good at, at educating the staff on the way to look at things from a uh, like a different perspective a unique perspective um so we're really lucky to have the opportunity to to, to kind of look at a different way of looking at things so you know, we have to be diligent on this intel collection. I guess we can call it intel collection and background information because you're not the same. You weren't the same person when right. you were 17 to when you were 22. And you weren't the same person from when you were 17 to when you were 25. So how do we allow for that growth prospect, uh, the growth process as people? Um, we go back and try to identify patterns. So we'll talk to as many people as we can possibly talk to. And what are the patterns telling us about the person's character? Um, and then, and then we just really we have to understand who we are when we when we introduce something into the equation, if it were, as it were, you know, of the team. How are they going to react to this player, that player, and then the group dynamic has to be taken into account. So it's all just information gathering constantly. I don't mean to dominate the questions, but I got on, along these lines. So as this is good because he asks us this and we have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is fascinating. I think our, our, Absolutely. our listeners would uh, appreciate it because it is so, it has changed so much, right? So based on the way the business and, and this is just the business of the NBA now, is it a disincentive or if I was advising a young player, I won't put you in this, but if I'm advising a young player, is there a disincentive to stay in that third, fourth year in college? I, I just refuse. It just depends on the player. Yeah, it depends okay. on the player. And I refuse to believe that there's a, a, disinvent, a disincentive to doing it when you have the opportunity to grow. But it's always going to be case by case. So what is the player development plan at the college the player that you're advising is at? Who's the right. coach? Right. What's, the team, what's your teammates going to look like next year? Who's coming back? Who's coming in? Um, but just the, the process and, 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 and growth process that you go through in college is so important. And that applies to NBA players, too. You know, um, there's players dotted all over the league that were wildly underdrafted um, who became good because they had the experience they had in college. 
and they didn't try to accelerate the process, you know, when, by going to become a professional and having lots more pressure heaped upon them than they ever had had before. And then kind of maybe flaming out a little bit, you know, and there's, there's cases of that happening too. But again, it's to, to cast like a wide blanket and a yes, no answer on that. It's not like an analog situation. So you have, you have to be able to say, um, he's Jeff Turner. These are the things that kind of set him off. These are the things that he is very good at and he'll be able to handle the pressure. I could feel comfortable with that. Bang. We'll introduce him into like our, our sort of team narrative. Right. Um, but there might be George Galante at age 18, maybe not ready for that. And yeah. so you have to be able to, to, to be transparent with George and say, hey, we need one more year here. You know, we need one more year and let's just try to grow. And these are the things we're going to work Which on. Which is what the new uh, evaluation process for the non-declared play. They can come in and if they don't declare, they can test the waters, right? At yes. these camps and things like that. Yeah, so the that's a pretty good thing. The NBA um, really was kind of forward thinking on this and they're going to allow a lot more volume of people to to test the waters and to get the feedback that they need to make that decision constructively and responsibly um they're going to try to take out as many middlemen as they possibly can and just get the information from the source right um so the nba is kind of they're they're really trying to promote the opportunity for good feedback as opposed to you know shooting from the hip type thing and it's going to be a positive outcome for all so, Matt, obviously there's a bunch of data you've collected, you've scouted, you've gone all over, you've gone international, you've gone uh, in domestic in this country. What changes everyone's analysis between now and the draft? Is it meeting the individual? Is it bringing them in for a workout? Is it Could any part of it be how they play in the tournament? Does that factor at all? What, what changes your data, and how do you arrive at a decision? At this and, point – And who is the guy going to be? Yeah, well, uh, let's just <laughs> – too, too much, too much? Okay. Let's just take some names. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um – I think at this point in the season, the, 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 the process of the basketball evaluation is near complete. And if you put too much on games being played on TV in the NCAA tournament, you're, there's, a, there's an opportunity to make a mistake. Um, everything has to be weighed over the course of the player's full body of work, basketball-wise, um, and, and properly weighted that way. Right? You, you can't take a player and, and say, oh, gosh, he played great in these five games. That must be who he is. He's got to be he played. You know, he's played over 30 games this year. They played, in some cases, 100 games, 120 games over their college career. Those all have to be kind of taken into account. The thing that shifts um, the draft order significantly at this point is the that pre-draft process. And some guys will go to the combine and test um, their physical skills and their athletic skills. And sometimes that could be, you know, data points that we didn't previously have that get entered in and weighed differently the the pre-draft um, interview process is really really vital really vital because that's where we have the opportunity to like lay out all the evidence that we've gathered and see how the player reacts and some of the interviews you do are, are just startling because there'll be some that are super prepared there'll be some that aren't prepared um there'll be some that are mature there'll be some that are immature and maybe you have to plan for working with them a little bit more than you maybe would have anticipated. So those are the two factors I think that have some kind of impetus on uh, emphasis on changing the order a little bit. And you just have to keep that in mind as you're going into June and saying, okay, well, why is, why is our opinion changing based on this interview? And it, 
it's not a never negative question. It can be a positive too. Gosh, we didn't know he was such a great kid and he was so energetic and he was so intelligent and so willing to work, work and learn. Um, but, but those are the things I think the basketball evaluation is 90% done at this point. I want to ask you about one of our current players who went through this process just a couple of years ago. He's 20 years old. He was the number one pick in the draft in 2017. What was, what was scouting and preparing to draft uh, in that year's draft? What was Markel Fultz? How was he analyzed? Where, where, where is he now? Where do you think he could be? In so that was the um, – and correct me if I'm wrong, George. That was the draft we took Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac. Okay. Yeah. So that was the year that Jeff came in. That was a, that was his first draft, and this goes back to to JT's question. Um, I think a lot of that is you just have to be constantly collecting information, constantly collecting information. And when he was in Philly, we have to constantly be collecting information. We're I'm really lucky. I think I know I'm really lucky to work with Prosper Kuanga and Bill Pope, and Prosper oversees our whole college scouting process, and Bill oversees our whole pro scouting process. So once they're introduced into the NBA. Um, now it's Bill's responsibility. He can read all the uh, all of our information that we've gathered on on Markel, and then he can start to identify where growth has happened, or maybe it hasn't happened. Um, and that's his impetus. So coming in, the guy was a spectacular, spectacular basketball prospect. Um, I had gone down to Valdivia, Chile, uh, and this is another side story, but we were planning our scouting schedule for the summer. And Valdivia, Chile, who's going? Who's going to go? It's the, the U19 Tournament of the Americas. Who's going to go? No one. So I said, all right, I'll go. And it's a 20-hour <laughs> flight to get there, and it's the middle of winter in Chile because we're below the equator. And I get there, and there's, there's a penguin on the – because it's closer to the South Pole than it is to the equator, and there's a penguin walking on the street, and I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> but that was, a, first spot, uh, that was the first time I saw Mobamba play too. So, um, cause he were on the team together and Markel was, was just so different than every player there. And there's eight, eight teams there, eight teams in North and South America, Canada, Uruguay, and it's all the, the junior teams, the under 19 teams. And Markel was going into his freshman year at, um, Washington. Mo was going into his senior year in high school. The majority of the players were going into their senior year in high school. Um, Markel was one of the few that was going to be a freshman because he was a little bit younger. He just was so spectacular as a basketball prospect. He, just the things he could do um, physically and athletically and skill-wise were just at a completely other level. And then he went to Washington, and it was just a more of an extension of that same dynamic ability. Um, but we're constantly gathering information on him. You know, where he got hurt late in the season, da-da-da-da. So the basketball evaluation was – completely clean you know to the he has star potential um and it was just uh, it, the priority coming into the season was to continue to gather information about like where he was at with his health where he was at mentally um and as we got to the trade deadline jeff and john did such a good job of processing all the information that they were being given and executing the trade um there's never going to be a time in my position where i'm like you know emotionally standing on a table demanding we do something that's just not my role they are the ones that have to kind of make those decisions and my role in that whole thing is making sure that the quality and quantity of information meets their expectations and and is all um you know 
good information. So that's what we were kind of emphasizing constantly. And we cannot be more excited and cannot be happier that we have the opportunity to introduce him in here. Jeff has a great comment about this. We are um, two games out of the playoffs right now, a game and a half, one and a half, one and a half, one and a half. As of today, as of today, um, because some player got suspended and was not (laughs) able to play against Miami last night. And we're not going to name names. No help to us. But, uh, so we're one and a half games out with an unbelievable addition as in the coaching staff, which Jeff John killed last summer. Um, and then we've got this development baked in, and Jeff uses that term all the time with Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and Markel. And their baked in development, you know, is just going to continue to move the team forward when they're getting the opportunity to observe really tough games at this point in the season because all these games mean something. So. The opportunity with Markel is a big one, and it's something that, you know, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but it's really exciting to watch. Does it change the way you look at the draft regarding point guards? Probably. And, and like, if I had to be asked, I think Markel's more of a basketball player than he is slotted to some positional designation. He's more of a basketball player because he can dribble the ball, handle the ball, and he has a shooting resume that's a positive one. Now, maybe that's not has not happened in the NBA, but – Coming into the draft, I mean, he shot 41% from three in college on high volume and tough shots because he was basically carrying that whole Washington team. So he has ability, um, and now the, the impetus is on us as organizationally to get him to the position where we think he can be in, and it's a challenge that I'm sure that everyone's ready to undertake, you know, in, at every level of the organization. What a find! What impressed you about Mo Bamba? Obviously, you said the first time you saw him was in was in Chile. What, your interviews, your workouts. What 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 really ramped it up and said this is the guy? Yeah, he he was so. Um, and I hate to use the word unique, but he was really unique at seeing him in Chile that first time, going into his senior year in high school. And I had heard his name, obviously, and had heard who he was, and Duke was recruiting him, and this team was recruiting him, um, but I'd never seen him in person. And so I didn't want to make any assumptions going into that. Uh, he was, you know, every time he came into the game, something positive happened for his team. He would block a shot. He would make a shot. Um, but the most impressive thing about Mo was where he was at in Valdivia, Chile, going into senior in high school, to where he was at his freshman year at Texas was the, the gap there was enormous. Just the skill gap, um, the things he had added to his game, the ability – to play with balance that he maybe didn't have totally mastered at that point. Um, so that to me indicated that the growth potential for him is even more spectacular than, than I would have believed. And just going down there and seeing it and then being able to see him at Texas. Um, so again, there's a huge ceiling there. And I know we did someone say we hate the word ceiling and, and that sort of thing, but we have to use it just cause that's the vernacular we all use. Right. So, his ceiling is is enormous, and and again, like organizationally, that's on us to get him there. But with Jeff and John, and the performance staff downstairs, um, the communication dynamic that's in place right now is is going to get him there. And then we just have to watch it play out patiently. How does European scouting play out? Is it a lot different? I mean, are cameras in every arena in Europe? Do you have? the analytical data that you have on U.S. players, or do you rely more on the eye test? The eye test is probably a lot more um, in place there, and it's still in some ways the Wild West of scouting because you can go there and, you know, the game can be at 
6 p.m. and they said, "Yeah, you know what? We'll play it tomorrow at six." <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, that happens all the time. It happens you show all up the for time. A game, but we'll, well, it's never tomorrow. happened to me, okay. but that happens where the game switches two days before. <laughs> you know, so um, it just is what it is, and you have to be willing to roll with it. Um, the cool. game is a lot different there because it's not as much like athleticism and physically based as it is here. It's more skill based. And we've started to see a trend in the NBA, at least towards the skill being more important than the athleticism and physicality and power. I don't know how that's going to continue to extend itself or if it will, but um, the games are really, really, really intense there. Really intense. And, you know, you can be in Belgrade, Serbia, watching the two local teams play each other, and they're both high-powered programs. And there'll be 25 guys with no shirts on in the audience throwing <laughs> firecrackers at each other, and you don't under have an understanding why. See, I was about to ask what's the craziest <laughs> you thing you've why. seen. I mean, is that one of Darryl the craziest? Armstrong told the story about uh, yeah. the last game he played in Greece. Right. The building caught fire. Somebody right. set the building on fire. Do you have any? They, 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 you know, evacuated the building. I can listen to those stories all day long. Absolutely. Like th there's things just, like that. Or... And, and, and it just is, you have to accept it and you have to kind of go in with this, the, um, the understanding that something weird could happen here tonight. And get, <laughs> you could get hit in the head with a battery um, or a lighter. And uh, it just, you know, and outside they're all rallying and burning people in effigy and – it's just an emotional situation every single game, man. So these guys come here and they think, oh, it's the NBA. I mean, you know, this is the highest level. This is these games are going to be really intense, and they've gone through games where there's massive battle royale fist fights going on in the crowd. So they've experienced a little bit different both game and atmosphere. And, okay, in well, Europe. Then, along those lines, we because I, I talked to John Hammond about this, and he said. With Isaiah Briscoe. Isaiah Briscoe downplays playing in Estonia. So that was no big deal. It wasn't really. I imagine you've been to Estonia or been close to it or someone has. I, I imagine yep. it's probably quite different. But he said that Jeff went to you and said, "Who's who could be this year's Kem Birch? Yep. And you had seen Isaiah. You knew about him. Just just take us kind of through that. Yeah, I that, think with Isaiah, Isaiah, the, 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 the kind of the assessment was he had played point guard in high school. He was a high school All-American and went to – Kentucky and played small forward just out of necessity. But I had Euless and Fox. Yes. Two years yeah, exactly. Yep. So he went to Estonia. Um, well, first off, he, he went to summer league with Philly and, you know, had in and out at summer league, really wasn't playing that much. And then went to Estonia and we were just continuing to watch him just as a, we have hundreds of players we're watching on a watch list right now. And he kept kind of popping up on all of our information so we watched him, and we saw him live, and we brought him to our mini camp. And the mini camp is where he really stood out. He was just at a different level than than the majority of the players we brought to the mini camp because he was prepared, and he had had the opportunity to go and expand his game and refine what he had in high school, playing in pick and rolls, getting to the basket, taking contact, being a physical defensive presence, which he was in, at Kentucky. So. I think we're at a loss and we're not doing our jobs if we're not constantly just combing every league that we can possibly find sure. players um, and just presenting them to Jeff and John. And to Jeff's credit, he's always, I think it, in his heart of hearts, he's a scout. In his heart of hearts, he's a scout because he grew up with the Clippers scouting. Sure. 
And so in his in the the deep recesses of his brain, he's he's always going to have that like slant and and the 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 want to find the next type of guy. And like Ken was all him. Ken was all him. He he had Jeff had said this guy's really good. We're going to bring him over. There was another player that signed with another NBA team that he was really hot on too and you know that we had played in Europe the previous two three seasons. So our goal is we're going to constantly as a group and as like our little scouting department, our little group, we're going to be always kind of batting down the hatches to find the, that guy that's lost in the shuffle. Sure. And Isaiah is a good example of that. And Isaiah, um, I give him a lot of credit cause he, he survived, um, you know, he battled his way into the, he did that on his own, you know, and, and he, he battled his way into the lineup and then to get hurt that just, it, it, it is what it is. But, um, you know that that's that's our that's our job just to constantly be combing the the outback for for guys like that. The guy like Adetokounmpo comes out of uh, what he wasn't even in the top European league, right? He was in the second division second of, of division. Greece. Yep. Are there guys out there? I mean, I, I, you have people in Europe. How many you have guys over there that are that are trying to find a guy like that? You have yep. guy, and then there the guys have guys, or how does that work? Yeah. So we have uh, <laughs> those guys have guys. My people have got people. people. See, yeah. Ben, J- listen, here he goes. JT, my people. JT's people have people that are going to speak. <laughs> David's to my people. got a lot of people. David's right? got a lot of people. Yeah. David's a hall of famer. Um, <laughs> By the way, I just along those lines, I had to, I had to deliver mail to David Steele. Who's that from? That's from the city of Orlando, the office of the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's, that's kind what we're talking about. That's with David the kind Steele. of people, to your point, that's the kind of people. He Is that a water bill? <laughs> a water bill? I, I'll get you in touch with my guy. It's, it's actually his, he's a scofflaw, parking tickets. Um, I think that's what this is. Actually. So our European scout is named Marty Artigas. Car's in a boot somewhere. In it could be. I'm sorry. Marty Artigas, um, he, li- he works out, he lives in, outside of Bar- Barcelona, Spain. Uh, he comes in. He just came in to, to cross-check some of the conference tournaments. Uh, he kind of bebopped all over the United States for the last week and a half. Um, he's the other one that I feel really, really, really lucky to work with. He's worked, we've worked together for seven years. Um, and he is just scouts. Like, he's all over Europe. And he's integrated in every conversation. And he's trying to find the next Antetokounmpo. And I can say that year he brought onto Takupo to us in November said hey this guy we got to watch him um and so we went over and watched him and he was I mean holy moly just the where does this guy come from you know um and then the the people that drafted him though were John Hammond and Jeff Weltman in Milwaukee so you know they they were the ones that took took him 15 um and and developed him into what he's become um and where he's like an MVP candidate now so uh, again, that's the the Jeff and John being in their heart of hearts and their deep recesses of their mind, just really, really good scouts. Um, and and Marty Marty does such a, a great job for us internationally. We had so he's got a network of people over there. He's constantly tapped into, um, but we're just always looking. How hard is the battle? Of, and then we'll let you go because we we know you're a busy man. And uh, how hard is the battle of? We like this guy, but you can't take him at six. We like this guy, or you can't take him at four. Or do you just say, regardless of that, we got to get the guy that's our guy? Yeah, that's a philosophical decision decision all the time, you know. And fighting, I think we've all the the NBA draft has become like a year long media cycle where it's just constantly everything's updated all the time, and this guy's going to go number one and number two, and the the top ten of the draft is decided in December. Right, right. Right. And 
being able to, to divorce yourself, that's another one of Jeff's unbelievable strengths. He can compartmentalize that stuff better than anyone I've ever seen. Really? And he can divorce himself from the media saying that this guy is the, the eighth pick. And he can say, well, why isn't this guy good? You know, why isn't so-and-so a, a good? So I think you have to really be cognizant of that and very wary of it. Because the more you get pressured into making a decision that you don't really believe in totally philosophically, the less chance it has of being successful. So every team, again, like this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but every team is at a different cycle in their team process. And um, sometimes you have to just be willing to take a risk or to take some sort of safe decision and, and integrate that guy into your team, knowing that he's going to be a valuable contributor earlier than maybe the high ceiling guy. Well, we appreciate it. This is where the magic happens now, Matt. Are you a soup guy and a dessert guy in all your travels and your 10,000 nights at, at Marriott? Do you, are you a... Well, as far as my wife knows, I do not eat dessert. Okay, good. Yeah, but uh, your wife's I'm... always making dessert for the staff. I know, oh, but I don't partake in it. You don't, I you partake in it on the road okay. when she's whoa, not whoa, there. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what now? Courtney, what Matt's yep. wife, always, I'll get an email Once all again, the time. David, we are not, we're not, well, listen, first, hold on, hold on, now wait a second. What kind of, what kind of dessert? Wait a second, no, 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 no. First of all, first of all, you'd have to come to the office on a Wednesday. Yeah. You'd have to actually oh, come. Oh, if it was good dessert, I'll be in. Yeah, it's a daily. You know that. really good dessert. That's what he meets with the mayor. I just picked a random weekday that you guys wouldn't necessarily be here. Maybe you guys are pressure washing the driveway or something. Yeah. But I'll get it. We'll get an email from Matt walk and coach. that says, <laughs> walk and coach, that says, Courtney Lloyd has prepared uh, snickerdoodles today yep. and they are in the break room. Oh, or Courtney yeah. Lloyd has made uh, uh, red velvet cake that's in the break room. Wow, yep. this is unbelievable. But, yeah. So I, I will partake in dessert. As far as she knows, I do not partake in dessert on the road. Gotcha. Sure. But that is as far as she knows. <laughs> right. So um, I would call myself more a dessert guy than a soup guy. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. Most people would. Except what, for David, David, what would you say would be a good soup for March? Is, is I about had, to... uh, you know, it's chilly yesterday. <laughs> yes, and right. I had, uh, my wife has this enterprise soup recipe. I, it's called, in Texas, it's called cowboy soup. Uh, yeah, we have a friend that knows the same <laughs> cowboy recipe. Cowboy soup. So this, but it's got uh, beans and, uh, like, sausage and. You know, it's very thick and a kind of a chili, a cross between a soup and a chili. <laughs> is this the one with the ham? Is that the one with the ham? I would eat that. that You'd eat that. Good. Yeah, I'd eat that. Yeah, okay. If I had any left over, I, I, I would bring you some, but we <laughs> ate it all. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you did. It yeah, was a chilly day yesterday. It was, good. it was good. That's not the one with the ham hock in it, the big ham no, bone? that's bean no. and ham. Bean, bean and, and ham. Sorry. Not a fan of that one. Not a fan. pretty much any soup. It's hot. No cold soups, Matt. I'll have a hot soup. I'm not a Gus Pacho guy. Yeah, no. sure, but, sure. But you'll get it with, with your lunch or something. I know occasionally. You need a drink. You probably caffeine is a big part of your life. <laughs> I there's a there's a uh, there's a coffee chain that's probably located all across America that I'll frequent on a daily occasion. But <laughs> I try to limit it to like one or two uh, a day. But sometimes you get into the 17 games in four days and you have to. It's hey, where's the coffee? You, if you travel wow. with us, then you know JT and I are up first thing in the morning finding probably the same. Right. That same chain. Uh, same yeah, chain. that same chain. And yeah. uh, you could, you could, we could, we, we solve world problems, don't yeah. we, JT? I've heard that. But you got up, but see, like, I'll leave the hotel about 8.30 or 9, and they've been back for an hour. So I don't know, <laughs> how early, don't know how early you get up. I would do that. I would do that do. with them. Yeah. Because yeah, we're talking about a Hall of Famer, and 
and someone that went to Vanderbilt that was O for <laughs> right. the SEC this year. So. <laughs> but 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 That's very very Brad could have a lottery pick and in the draft. Could be you're not have, allowed to talk about it. But well, uh, how could I don't that be? How could the team go O for the play. SEC he and not have a lottery pick? All right, okay. he got hurt. So yeah, right, and well. their their upward well, mobility. Good to be Liberty, by the way. My Liberty Flames lost to them, by the way, but still got twenty six and eight. But still got it. Twenty six and eight. Twenty six and eight. That they're fifteenth in a fourteen team league. Yeah. If they played in the SEC. <laughs> well, the, the and the oh the, the upward enough, mobility with Vanderbilt though is yeah we've talked pointed about in the right the direction yes, because yes. the coach is a really good coach yeah, right. and you know he just got he got fragged with injuries this year unfortunately yeah. um, so he'll have that thing moving in preach, the right direction. Preach, keep yep. going. Preach. You like that? You like? How about a dessert, JT? We'll close it out with. Well, let me let me tell you this. Oh, now okay. we've had a great event over the weekend um, with our wine festival and everything. Yeah. I got invited to one of the dinners. Right, and the chef was Iron Chef Morimoto. Nice. Right, you're gonna love this. Okay, so they bring out the dessert. It's got it's kind of like a little bit of an angel food cake. It's very small and everything. It's got this beautiful strawberries and cream. It was basically Japanese strawberry shortcake. Wow. It was outstanding, Dante. I know you're that not a I would big. Do. I'm not a strawberry shortcake. Dante doesn't like strawberry shortcake, but it was outstanding. That's that's just really. You lost me at small. That's it. Yeah. No, it was I, small. I yeah. Small. No, I, shortcake too. Well, I'm surprised Jeff even. I ate eats. my wife's though. So uh, I had two. He does, no, Jeff he, likes his desserts. Oh, I'm surprised oh, he eats desserts. Like the guy looks oh, like he could be a pro yeah, wrestler. Yeah, right now. You can't no. tell. I work at it. I have to. I don't oh. looks like George and I eat his dessert. But he, does, <laughs> he does have dessert every once. I gave up sweets for Lent. It's really hard. It's. How much, I asked my wife yesterday, how much more is Lent? She goes, Easter's not till April. I go, I have to wait till then? Every year he says, Laura, how many <laughs> sleeps till I, have, <laughs> till I can have sweets again? So many sleeps. So many sleeps. That's so many sleeps. You got a favorite in the NCAA tournament before you go? Can you pick a team? Can you just fill out my bracket? Yeah. yeah. Who do you like? I, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I was, um, I was at the West Coast Conference tournament, and Gonzaga's really good. They're really good. Um I was surprised they lost in the championship game, quite frankly, just because my, it wasn't my expectation. You know, they, they had been so good. I was at, in Maui early in the season, saw them play Duke in the championship game there. Um, I mean – I think they were bored. Maybe playing. a little bit. I think they had two guys that had uh, wildly off nights, mm-hmm. and that generally has not happened all year with them. Um I, again, they're, I think they're kind of underrated. And I think here on the East Coast, we, we have a tendency to underrate them just because no we don't see them play as much. Sure. You know, they're, they're really good, though. Dark really Horse? Tough. New Mexico State? Um, Hearing good things about them. And, and so I used to work with someone. Nevada's Liberty. really good. I used to work with someone that would finish last in the NCAA tournament bracket pool every year. <laughs> and his excuse was, I watch the players, not the teams, bro. And I'm going to have to go with that answer right now. <laughs> I, I, watch the, I watch the players, not the teams. But I do like Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is uh, – and they'll probably – now, after I said they'll probably get beat in the second round, right? But um, just from what I saw, they were really they were really good. And, you know, yep. That's what makes it so exciting. Well, it's always yep. them or St. Mary's anyway, so it must have been their term. And they just they just kind of take turns. Liberty Matt, this frames, was a pleasure. We'll do this no again in, in about a day or two. Yeah, I really, <laughs> I really, really <laughs> appreciate the opportunity in all seriousness because, um, you know, just – the opportunity to come in here to work every day is great, mm-hmm. and the opportunity to get to know you guys over the last seven years has been. Well, you do a phenomenal well. job, and one day you're going to have your own team 
Will you acknowledge us when that day happens? When, when you come in here as a general manager, w- will you still remember us? I'll, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And, and I always tell my friends, like, <laughs> yes, my, whenever my friends say, oh, you're going to be a GM or something someday, I said, well, yeah, I'll be a really good garbage man. Really good garbage man. <laughs> GM. And, uh, so I, I'm actually just, yeah, it's just a little play on words, George. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just lucky and, and, and so thankful for the job I have. And the, the well, chance to work job. here is, is awesome. No, that is the answer. It's yeah. I might buy I might buy some people coffee. Okay. And some others dessert. So. Fair enough. I like it. Well, it was a pleasure. We'll do it again soon. And good luck the rest of the way, man. Thank you guys so much.